0: Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mask, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing your questions. That's right, it's the episode 30 extravaganza.
1: and welcome to the episode 30 extravaganza. I'm Alex and to repeat a question I asked on Twitter a couple days ago,
2: if you could fuck any historical figure, which historical (laughs) figure would you bone down with? I'm Freya and my question for you is, if you were a regeneration of the Doctor of Doctor Who fame, what items of clothing would make up your signature look? Bonus points if you answer this on Twitter and give us pictures.
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm Macy and my question is because I promised, uh, given that the discovery of Nautilus actually being spiders. Really? Yeah, they're spiders. Oh. And Macy's discovery this week that octopi are technically mollusks, um, what is your favourite sea creature and why? It's a very on-brand question it's so for you. on brand question. I <laughs> promised there would be squid. You, that's true. Yeah. We did promise squid.
2: So we are three red headed fantasy authors. <laughs> And somebody changed the Google documents to say red feathered to try and trick me. It did not work. (laughs) Sabotage. If you haven't realized this by now, dear listeners, we are (laughs) drinking during this episode. So if slightly giggly, tipsy women and women-adjacent people... Uh, are uncomfortable for you, now you know that.
1: Yeah, so uh, it's the episode 30 extravaganza, so we're just answering a lot of listener questions today, things that you submitted to us on Twitter and Tumblr and the Discord, even though I specifically (laughs) did not welcome questions on the Discord, people, but we made it through using the power of friendship. Uh, But before we get into all those wonderful questions, uh, what are we drinking, fellow serpents?
2: And reading, also and reading. I am drinking an Aperol Spritz, which is Ooh. the most delightfully bright lurid orange drink in it the is. world. I discovered it when I was in Italy with my parents a couple of years ago, and given that Fancy. it is only just the end of summer here in Australia, I decided to say farewell to summer with a very summery drink. In terms of what I've been reading, I finished reading The Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that was good. It was, there was a lot happening in that book. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I hear, that. I
1: hear I, that It was a lot happening in that book It's a very dense book It's a dense book cool. and full
2: of footnotes And speaking of footnotes I also Yee. read Yee. Alex's upcoming book Choir of Lies for the first time since it was in zero draft form Which yes. was amazing To see how it has transformed
1: Has it improved? Please come
2: on. <laughs> Please not tell me it has improved. Yes, Alex, it has improved. <laughs> I just realized I like put you on the spot on air. You could have said no, it's not improved and that would have been very bad. <laughs> uh, so That's my reading and I also watched Russian Doll on Netflix. <gasps> yes. Uh, yes. Oh, It was yes. really great. It was really great. It was. Yeah. I do wish it had come out before we did our Groundhog Day episode. Oh, oh yes. my
1: god, yes.
0: Yes, I'm so mad, right? Oh, well, we'll talk about it in the future. Um, meanwhile, I am drinking a Huckleberry vodka with Sprite um, because, and it's delightfully pink and clinky. I'm trolling Alex at this point. Thank you
1: for fucking doing that. I'm not even going to try to edit that out. <laughs> I yelled at them before this episode started. I was like, you guys have clinky drinks. Don't you
0: dare clink on my, my lovely clean audio. It's fine. It's fine. It's It's an atmosphere note. Um, Is it? <laughs> anyway, I just about got to 40k in my NaNoWriMo month, so I haven't been reading a ton of things. But while Alex was here, we watched The Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. which I'm super excited about because, as someone who was present in Bandom in the late 20s, um 20s 20s late 2000s <laughs> 2000s late noughts? the noughts. I don't the i'm <laughs> the in my late 20s what do you want the naughties, Lacey. Um, the noughties, the oh noughties God. Lacey. i can't call it that with a straight face i can't anyway my point is i have feelings about gerard way and mm. as an artist wink um but mostly as an artist and so umbrella academy was great fun to watch yes we did have a a, a lot of fun with that i binged
1: the rest of it have you finished it yet <laughs> nope Oh well. Cool. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, some problematic aspects, but it was fairly good. I am drinking this drink which is barely wine. It's more of a quote open quotes <laughs> wine product, close quotes. Uh it is this alcoholic soda essentially that is allegedly like green apple flavor. It's very good. Why are we friends? Um, <laughs> Why are we friends? Extremely <laughs> easy to drink, mostly wine sugar. Product. Um Wine wine, a wine adjacent? Wine or wine adjacent product. Uh no it's it's quite good it's very easy to drink and it's my favorite thing about uh my favorite way to drink alcohol which is so I can't taste the alcohol. Uh yes I'll, besides watching Umbrella Academy with Macy when I was visiting her in Seattle I have also Hooray Broken Free of the <laughs> Turkish Soap Opera. I have shed its its uh dreadful shackles uh and I've moved on with my life thank goodness. Uh it was wonderful while last Yes, yes. We're very, very uh, proud. I have not been reading a whole lot this this uh week other than uh upcoming tent poles for our future episodes, uh, because we have one or two that are really kinda doorstoppery. So that's I've been little. attending to that. Uh but before we go on, we have a couple of cool pieces of news to tell
0: you about. Yes, one in particular. Yes, um, we're so excited. An exciting reveal for our thirtieth episode, because that's a nice round number Mm -hmm. we like doing things on the tens we do because of how many fingers we have um (laughs) sure okay why not the decision the decision to make this announcement on the tipsy episode was perhaps not fully considered No. Uh, continuing (laughs) so darling listeners as you know we release every episode with a wonderful transcript attached thanks to the tireless efforts of our glorious scribes And we've been thinking about that for a little while because it's a lot of work. Uh, It's about Mm -hmm. 11,000 words worth of nonsense and they have to look up all of the links and uh, make sense of our silly words. And we would love to start giving them something back for that. So we are launching a Patreon uh, primarily to fund paying the scribes for their tireless efforts Mm -hmm. Uh, and details of that will be linked in the show notes. Please click on through. I promise there's all sorts of goodies on offer, including um, some figurative snake drawings from our very own Alexandra Roland. I believe, yes. are one of our reward tiers. Yes, I'm drawing
1: a snake of the month for you, yes. dear listeners. So give us your money so that we can turn around and give your money to the scribes because they deserve it a whole lot more than we do. <laughs> <laughs> all hail. All, all, all hail, hail the, the scribes. scribes. Thank you, scribes. Thank you, Scribes. Uh, And one more uh, small piece of news before we continue on. Uh, Hugo nominations are about to close. Uh, Those close on the 15th, I believe. This episode goes up on the 13th. So if you are uh, able to nominate for the Hugos, if you bought a voting
0: membership in time, do make sure that you get your ballots finished. Yes, I want to see what our novel slate and short story slate is going to look like. I'm super excited. Oh yes, if you
1: saw the one for the the nebulas, like the nebula novel slate, uh, actually the whole nebula slate this year was very, very, very good. Uh, So I am looking forward to the Hugo slate being just as amazing.
2: Yes. Yes. So get your sticky fingers on it. Yes, Yes. do it. Do it. And moving on to the questions. So first question, Kelly asks Scribe, asks, which combination of serpents, (laughs) i.e. Macy and Freya, Freya and Alex, Alex and Macy, is most likely to be drift compatible and why? And then added, also, when will we get an episode about the drift slash Vulcan mind melds slash similar plot devices? Because that seems really in keeping with the theme of being truly known that crops up in the podcast semi-frequently. And also, I just want it, please and thank you.
0: I want it too. Yes 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 let's Let's
2: add
1: that That. we should should do do do. this we We will go on the ideas list list. so i think that like if we have to obviously all three of us are drift compatible together like that one uh that's a triple i can tell
0: you (laughs) so i i like to think of this also though as like oh you mean like as a three
1: of us yeah like as the three of us like as that's because there's that one jaeger team there's that one jaeger team that has three people
0: Ooh, you are right i'd forgotten yeah they're the triplets yeah yeah, the triplets. E.
1: But if we're just doing sims, I think it kind of depends on what
2: we're drifting for. Well, surely like, we're drifting in order to kill a giant alien. That's oh, sure. That's well, bad.
0: sure. I always like the, um, the way that Steven Universe does this as well, though. Oh, yeah. As well as Drift Compatible. But I feel like if Alex and Freya did a fusion, all that I would have to do to break them up is bring them to a place that sells alcoholic beverages. That's true. Oh,
2: that's possible. And then we that's can... possible
0: <laughs> so yeah. in terms of who would be Drift Compatible, honestly, my gut
2: instinct is that either of us would be fairly Drift Compatible with Macy, but that Alex and I would possibly run into some fundamental issues.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I am. I am like the semi-professional chameleon.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what it. I was just I about to the, say.
0: That I trust Macy is much more be flexible,
2: multi-compatible in terms of drifting. Ease.
0: I am a multi-tool. Yeah. Are you? <laughs> I mean, for sure. Let's go with that. I,
1: I'm being driven to the drink. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a
1: move, listeners. She is um, drinking
2: I- directly out of the bottle. It's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking
0: directly out of, of the, the bottle, wine, adjacent, listeners. Product. <laughs> <laughs> the wine adjacent product. Wine adjacent, and I maintain that this is why these two would never last. <laughs> Shockingly, the word wine <laughs> on this bottle is not
1: surrounded by Quotes. quotation marks or the word hyphen product. Um, it just says wine with natural apple flavors, so that's fine. That's it. our maple. gem fusion,
2: before you took us to a <clears throat> booze shop where we would fall apart through argument, <clears throat> we would be pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah. yeah. would be so tall. We'd be, right we'd be very tall. We'd be super we'd tall. We'd be very
2: well dressed. Yes, and we'd write all the porn. That's true. <laughs> Please feel free to submit fan art of this. Oh, God. I don't know if I want to, like, open (laughs) that up to the listeners. I don't know if I want, like,
1: mm, mm. it's a slippery slope to RPF. It is just a real
2: slippery slope to RPF there, friends. I just like the gem fusion idea. Well, that's fair. The gem
0: fusion idea would be super cool. Um, Let's set some healthy boundaries. uh, Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Shall we fuck anyway, on? Anyway, moving it's on, because we have so many questions. You guys, the listeners so were many. amazing. We have such really good questions. We're not going range. to be able to get through them all, and we apologize for that. We will try to get through as many as we can. Let's mm. go. So Let's go. from Hilary Bissignuk's, uh we have a question that's about juvenilia. Uh, yeah. Can you all tell us about, or better yet, read us any of your juvenilia? What were the earliest fictions or poems that you wrote because you wanted to and not because you had to for school?
1: I have a very on-brand answer for this. Oh, God! The earliest thing that I can remember writing for myself was I was about eight years old and I had a brand new diary from my aunt and uncle (laughs) and I was writing a story in it about a princess and her best friend who was also her lady-in-waiting and they uh, hung out together and the princess answered fan mail and went for dress fittings (laughs) and then the most crucial on brand part of this is that then she had like here she went to like hear petitions from her her peasants about like economic (laughs) disasters that were happening in the kingdom and she tried to solve them in fair and ethical ways i was like eight fucking years old and i was already writing this shit so you know
2: you know wow i was not writing about economics at the age of less than 10 Mm. but i do remember that my local newspaper used to have a section in the Sunday paper where children from around the city could write in with short stories or poems and you would get a $5 book voucher if, you're, if it was published. And, you know, that was like half a Tintin or an Asterix. So Very I was cool. pretty excited by that idea. And I had multiple things published over the years. But <laughs> the first one that I remember writing was a poem about bunyips. And bunyips are... Oh, bunyips! <laughs> you know yes, bunyips? I know bunyips. Yeah, yeah, they're bunyip- like an Australian cryptid, basically. Yes. I put sort of bunyips in conspiracy. And I wrote hmm. a, a poem about bunyips that was inspired when I was driving to my family's coast house. And I remember the first two lines, which were, watch out for the spotted bunyip behind the spotted gum. He may look rather fierce, but he's really rather dumb. So, oh my god, that's cute and so shit. A gum tree is a eucalyptus tree, just case yep. anybody needs to like brush up on their Australian trees, there are gum trees fucking everywhere. And I <laughs> wrote a story about bunnips hiding behind trees, a poem, rather, and it got published. That's fair. And that's the earliest one that I can remember. So
0: I was trying to think about this because I never like wanted to be a writer as a kid. I didn't really write fiction. But I do remember my mother told me this story a little while back, which is when I was like, six or seven we must have done a unit on haiku at school mm. and they were like you should write a haiku for for this and so the, at parent teacher conference they brought out the haiku they're like here mother here is a haiku here jennifer's mother here is a haiku that your daughter wrote about horses and i'm like she's like okay thank you for showing me this here are the 12 other haiku your daughter wrote <laughs> about dolphins <laughs> We couldn't make her stop, but in fairness, this took her the same amount of time as it took the other children to write one, so we didn't try that hard. please tell me that the name of your memoirs is going to be
2: Endless Dolphin Haiku.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They just, like, kept kept producing them, like, in, like, you know, child crayon writing with some of the letters backwards, and just infinite haiku about
1: animals. Beautiful. (laughs) Really incredible. (laughs) Uh, Next question. Book of Mac on Tumblr asks, a question for the third extravaganza. I was wondering if you have any music, songs or albums that you would recommend, both for background listening or for their storytelling.
0: Well, as I frequently tell my agent and then make her weep, um... (laughs) (laughs) you do do that. She cries so much. (laughs) She cries so much. Um, I have like, I will frequently listen to a song and be like, yep, that's a book. This entire song is the plot of my book. And then I tell this to my agent. She's like, that's not what plot means. That's not how you do it. That's not how books work. That's not how how you do it. No, no, you don't understand. I list, like, Barnes Courtney's Glitter and Gold is the plot to Squid Necromancy book. Sure, sure. And she's like, sure, you'll figure it out. It's a lot of words, Macy. (laughs) It's It's fine. It's the plot. It has, I have a lot of my time and education as a youth was spent, doing music related things Mm. and so I have a lot of I spend a lot of time shouting about music as Alex discovered in a car the other week. That was
1: so great okay so Macy was driving me to the airport and Macy was like I am going to have you listen to this piece of classical music and then she put it on and then she proceeded to narrate the entire thing to me. (laughs) She was like it was this she was like, this part means like longing, like yearning and longing. And this part is where they're really gay for each other. And this part is where the longing has been fulfilled. And this, this is part where the is trombones the, fight the flutes. This is where the trombones fight the flutes. And this is, this is the really sexy part.
2: What piece of music was
0: this? <laughs> this Tchaikovsky. Part, in fairness, Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky's violin concerto, which was written by him for his student, whom he was probably boning. Okay, fair. I was gonna say if it was Tchaikovsky, that's fair. I had to narrate Tchaikovsky right.
2: in like yeah right. music. Yeah. Right, see? That's what see, Tchaikovsky Alex, is. Alex, this is a reasonable response. It was it
1: was
0: great fun. I really enjoyed it. Also, it was... Russian composers have precisely two emotions, and those are longing and anger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how the Russians work. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna consider actually answering the question. Yeah, answer the question. Um <laughs> which is for writing, I have a few albums that I really love. They're generally kind of like quieter albums. I like Coldplay's uh, Ghost Stories a lot for that. Um, I also like The National. Um, mm. And there's a website called Tabletop Audio, which I has a ton. I love Tabletop Audio. Yes, it's great. It has a ton of like aesthetic, tra- li- 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 aesthetic tracks for D&D games mostly, but they're all very atmospheric and they work great for setting a mood for yourself if you're having trouble kind of getting into the feeling for a scene.
1: Yeah, so like if you use one of those websites which has like some sort of variation on white noise, like rain noise or fire noise or things like that, that's the sort of thing that they have. But several of the tracks do also have some like gentle kind of subtle ambient background music Mm -hmm. as well. So it's like the sound of a brook with a little bit of music on the background. Uh, And it's nice. It's sort of a nice variation. Hmm. Um, I also listen to tabletop audio. I don't listen to too much uh, music when I'm actually writing. It um, gets in the way of the words. Um, but in terms of musics, uh, music's in terms of uh, <laughs> albums that I really like for their storytelling, I'm a huge fan of uh, The Hazards of Love by The Decembrists.
2: Mm. Well, I do listen to music when I'm writing quite a lot. I tend to come up with playlists. Sometimes for books, I have quite a few writing playlists that I just use. I have a playlist specifically <laughs> for writing sex scenes. Of course you do. do you? Yeah. Why yeah. have you never shown this to me? <laughs> Did you not know this?
1: I don't think she's ever shown it's a, it's it's a a this one with me.
2: I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> in terms of background for writing, I also really like certain instrumental soundtrack albums. Probably my favourite yes! is the soundtrack to A Beautiful Mind. Which is gorgeous
0: i really like the blue planet soundtrack album for similar reasons yeah
2: oh nice and in terms of albums that story tell or indeed songs mm. that story tell i really like shauna maguire's album wicked girls and especially mm. the title track which is about the girls that get judged by their stories and left behind by their stories and it's sort of angry and melodic and i love it
0: i did miss that part of the question didn't i yes Do you want to answer that part of the question? (laughs) Now I'm thinking, I'm like, I really love um, concept albums, right? So I love My Chemical Romance's Danger Days um, for the story that it tells, which is super hope punk. It's all about, you know, revolution after the apocalypse. Um, And Suzanne Vagard has a ton of really good story songs. Um, The Queen and the Soldier is my favorite. I love that song. That's a good Mm -hmm. song. Yes. I might have taught myself that on piano from memory because nerds. Yes. There's a Suzanne Vega song on my sexy
2: playlist.
1: Yeah. I tend to make playlists when I'm having trouble with the emotional arc of a book because I feel like sort of translating it into music makes it mm. easier to see kind of the emotional arc of hmm. the, the book as a whole. I did this for for Choir of Lies, as you guys remember, because I was Quite. having so much trouble with it uh, during revisions.
2: Well, I've actually made a new playlist for my current work in project, work in progress which is exactly 25 minutes long, which is about the right uh, length for a writing sprint for me. Right. And I'm trying out the thing of just having this one playlist so that as soon as the music starts, I get into the, ah. the mindset of working on this book. So it's quite short. It's only got six songs on it, but it's working quite well so far.
0: Cool. Very nice.
2: All right. So next question. Escher Texture emailed us this question. Are there any works with a distinct aesthetic that have stuck with you?
0: I always go back to um Annihilation for this. Right? The the Jeff Vandermeer book. That is a capital A aesthetic book. Right! It's just this gorgeous, um, creepy plant aesthetic told in an epistolary form, and I just oh, it makes me shudder because it's a horror book, right? But it's also
1: just Gorgeous. Mm. I'm a huge fan of Cat Valente's space opera, as you guys mm. may uh, remember <laughs> from last year. I seem to recall that I yelled about that quite a lot. I tend to like uh, aesthetics that are very vibrant and colorful. So, besides mm. space opera, um, also Moulin Rouge and the Russian movie Steliagi, which I think that I have yelled about several times. Um, anything with like really bright
0: vivid colors I feel like Atomic Blonde is a good example again right Atomic Blonde got a kind
1: of like it was using color as more of a emphasis
2: and mm. but it
1: did have sort of like a sort of gritty undertone to it you know I like
2: for for, for visual aesthetic I really like the movie Amelie
1: mm. oh, which yeah. has got
2: a, there's such a perfect marriage between the visual aesthetic and the music aesthetic in that mm-hmm. movie which is just makes it really fun to watch and rewatch and rewatch. Uh, Book-wise, I think Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes mm. has such a distinct weird aesthetic and it really got into my head the first time I read it and I ended up writing a Hannibal fanfic hmm. that was very closely derivative of that particular feeling. Like I wanted to try and capture that sort of like broken down grimy fairground American weird aesthetic <laughs> plus,
0: you know, blood and murder. It was great. <laughs> Oh, now I remember the one that I forgot that I was going to say, which is um, I love the whole way that Frances Harding does aesthetic almost more than I love any one particular aesthetic of the books that I've read from her. Mm, Yeah, I was thinking of her books at this question. Just Super vivid. All right. Next question. Uh, Devon asks, if you were a witch, what sort of magical tools would you have and be most proud of?
1: Um, I think the obvious answer for me is any sort of fiber arts related thing. Mm. So like I own an actual spinning wheel. I own an (laughs) actual real loom. That sort of thing. I was expecting you to say murder cat. I mean, I also have a murder cat who is sitting right next to me. Let's all say hello to the murder cat. Wait for it. Wait for it. Will you meow into the into the microphone, sweetie? Will you for me? No, she's (laughs) being very quiet. No, no, you never try try to get a cat to do something
0: you want. The, the cat uh, has suffered being kissed. Yes, I, I kissed
1: her. I gave her a kiss. Do you want another kiss? No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think I would have mostly knives, to be honest. Ooh. And I'm thinking of like, you know, those people who walk around with those rolled up leather tool belts and you yes. just unroll them and it's either like torture instruments or <laughs> various tools of your trade. And I would just have a lot of very cool knives made of various different substances.
0: Uh, in the meantime, in the background, Murder Cat attempts to gently murder Alex's face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gently. Let's see. I feel like my tools that I would love would be like grimoires, like leather bound books. books and things. I can also
2: see you having like a hundred, like a wonderful chest full of flasks and vials that is mostly plants. <laughs> Yeez.
0: I mean, here's, here's the terrible, terrible secret of my life, the tragedy, the tragedy of Macy, which is that I'm actually kind of shit at keeping plants alive. <laughs> you cannot be worse than me. You have honestly. some nice succulents. Fair. I have some succulents and I'm so far succeeded in keeping my succulents alive enough that they even had little baby succulents. But that's about the limit of my skills so far. So we're taking it carefully and slowly. Uh, next question, uh, singly. <gasps> yes, it's the witch
1: section. Yes. It's a whole section. We have a whole section about witches Uh, because so y'all fucking love witches and so do we. Uh, singly Please. asks, you have been granted your dream witch's cottage <gasps> slash domicile of your choice. If cottages aren't your thing, what does it look like? Where is it? Are the locals scared of it? What makes it yours?
2: Okay, so... Cottages are not my thing if we're going along the lines of I kill everything. Yeah. I do not want anything that has any form of garden, thank you. I will go for a witch's penthouse apartment.
1: Ooh. You, that is very you. That is very extremely, extremely you. me. Looking yeah.
2: out on the city and being able to see the storms and possibly like <gasps> channel the energy of the storms into whatever spells I'm oh, doing. That's
0: cool. This is so like rivers of London. Yeah. 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 Basically the important part
2: is no garden. Nothing I have to keep alive, so it is a witch's
0: penthouse. That's me. Nice. Whereas my cottage would literally be the house that um, Emily Tesh uh, destroys in her otherwise marvelous novella, against which I totally don't bear a grudge for destroying my dream cottage, uh, which is called Silver in the Wood and is coming out later this year. Spoilers, I want it. But cottage, cottage. I'm not telling you how, but cottage i mourned listeners i mourned there's
1: a a cottage casualty in this book yes um as for me ever since i was like 14 years old i have always had this most dear dream to my heart very dear to my heart uh which is that one day when i'm rich and famous i will live in a castle in ireland (laughs) with like 15 of my closest friends uh and have like a a secret commune for when the world uh ends and the apocalypse (laughs) happens and uh civilization as we know it goes to shit so
0: I'm kind of still married to that idea thank you 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 have to understand darling listeners that this is like a hobby for the serpents yeah yeah Yeah. is browsing Irish property websites
1: this is something we may actually end up doing one day
0: (laughs) Listen, you well, can get a lot of castle for five hundred thousand euros. I'm really just can. saying, you
2: really can. God, yep. but there's just so much land attached. Okay, you guys can. You look can after stay the inside. Sheep. I will stay inside. That's fine. And if anybody needs healing after the apocalypse, then I will Seems do some like medicine. It. But I am not doing any fucking gardening.
0: That's fine. You we can. You can, we can, can make things. the mill wheel
2: work. Sure. Sure, Maisie. <laughs> sure. I will cook and be the doctor. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> I am good at those two things next question so along the witches theme bonnie asks i just finished uprooted and my gosh it was amazing correct i loved agnishka and her grumpy practicality gave me shades of my other favorite witches disqual and sophie hadda especially i really loved how her magic came from nature and the roots of her home i know freya is interested in that theme at the moment for her next book are there any tropes in terms of magic systems like that that appeal to you guys that you would like to discuss
0: I think that the one of the big themes in magic that I always revisit in my work is magic that requires more than one party to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do like that. Right? I love it. Um, I had so much fun writing this little flash piece recently about a mage who steals color in order to stop a volcano, but she can't stop the volcano. So one of them steals the color and the other one has to do the spell. And I think I just like playing with the dynamic of... How do you stop someone from going um, off the rails when they're so powerful that nobody could stop them? Well, you build in checks and balances by having to have another person go along with you. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of stabilizes the whole system for me. Yeah. Like it's a lot harder for you to both go off the rails together at the same time in the same way, um, which as a counterpoint makes the villains that much more deliberate. But I think it's a fun um, trope to play with.
1: That's an interesting way to think about relationships, too. Like when you have Mm -hmm. this sort of project that you have to work on together. I'm thinking about this
2: because it's true. The idea of magic coming from the land and being drawn from a connection between people and the land is Mm -hmm. something that I am working on. But I think also I'm starting to get more interested in the idea of magic systems that are very divided. So one particular person can do one particular type of magic. So it's not like the Harry Potter magical system where you're either a witch or a wizard or you're not. And if you are, then you can sort of do a bit of everything. And you might have specialties or things that you're better at, but magic is a singular amorphous mass, and you can Mm. do it or you can't. I like the idea of exploring very specific magical gifts so that if they're divided by geography or just by chance or by training, the idea that you can do one particular magical type of thing and I haven't quite decided how I'm going to start exploring that more in other books, but I like the idea of that as a way of exploring people having to come together to work together, not necessarily needing two people for magic, but needing different people's talents and skills. Yeah, needing
0: a medic and a fire caster and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I think that's where I'm going to be exploring more.
0: It's kind of like building a heist team then.
2: Yes, and one of the ideas that I am using that for is a magical heist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yay! This is,
2: like, two books down the road, but it's going to
0: yeah, yeah. Two? Only two? When do we get Space Spies? Oh, sorry, three books down the road. Space <laughs> Spies is next. <laughs> the one after
2: it. that is a magical plague story. The one after <gasps> that is the magical heist.
1: Many, many plans. Yeah, I'm, like, super interested in magic coming from a connection with the land as well. I mean, this goes back to... Uh, we have not mentioned the Hero Scamos in like twenty episodes, which is that's amazing. not true. That's um,
0: not episode a long <laughs> ass time. We've not mentioned
1: it in like three. I, not specifically, we have not mentioned the Hero Scamos in a long fucking time. Uh, it has been more than go, three episodes. Gonna go
0: run control F on the transcripts. You
1: fucking do that then. <laughs> I, um, will. So, I will. I uh, will. But I'm also I really <laughs> like magic systems um, uh, that use some kind of. Um, like concrete skill like the magic systems Mm -hmm. in uh tamora pierce's uh circle of magic books where uh for example sandri has her magic manifest through fiber arts and briar has his magic manifest through plant stuff Mm. um where like it's one very specific thing that you can do uh and also i in my books right now i'm writing a lot of so the the power the fuel of the magic comes from the land and the water but magic varies depending on where you go for the same reason that water tastes different uh when you travel to a new place um yeah i'm just like exploring the different ways that like one kind of underlying unified theory of magic can uh come up in different evolved ways uh depending on factors and so forth and i'm trying to i'm also trying to do magic systems that are as low impact as possible just because I'm lazy and I don't want to fuck <laughs> with my economy that much <laughs> that's part of the fun though it is it is but in this particular case I don't want to have that kind of fun I'm having different kinds of fun
0: mm. yeah. so next question that we have here um, we have an anonymous ask from the tumblers the tumblers she... um, which is what we're drinking from Well, except for Alex. Except for Alex, who is drinking from the bottle. Straight from the bottle. I'm drinking from a tulip glass. Fine. I will be sitting here in the middle drinking from Faya is posing with the tulip glass. Okay. We're moving on to the question, darling listeners. We apologize. Alex, put that down. If you drown on air, I'm not rescuing you. I don't have your I don't have your roommates' telephones. The cat will have to do it for us. How can you drown on air? I listen, friend. Okay. You know full well Full well that that was metaphorical. All right. Anyway, shall we have a fucking episode? <laughs> shall
1: we have a fucking episode?
0: Yes. <laughs> let's, let's have a fucking episode. Um, anonymous, I apologize for this distraction. Um, a- anonymous on Tumblr asks, how do you each feel about fanish identities being linked with professional identities, both personally and with regards to other writers? I ask because obviously Be the Serpent is identified as a podcast of authors, giving your perspective on Fannish Lit. And Freya has linked her own fanfic on the podcast. Do you think fans who go pro have different motivations that keep their identities separate than when people generally participate in fandom privately? I have a lot of feelings about this,
2: (laughs) but it sounds like Freya also might. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, So yeah, I personally am keeping a very thin veil between my fandom identity and my writing identity. I am keeping a much thicker one between both of those two things and my real life identity, partly because Mm -hmm. of my profession and partly just because, I don't know, I think it's nice to have a few barriers in place. But I think it really depends on the kind of writing career you want to have. And if I was writing predominantly children's or YA fiction, then I would probably do a lot more to maintain a separate identity. And I know a lot of writers do for that reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because, right. yes, I've written quite a lot of very smutty fanfic and a lot of things that I would not necessarily want to be freely available if I was writing for children and they Googled my name. Right, yeah. Whereas yeah. because I am writing for adults and I don't particularly mind that much if there's a fairly open secret about what my fanish, you know, yeah. pseudonym was, right. then I think for me it's a lot less of an issue. But I can absolutely understand why some writers do want to have that really clear distinction mm-hmm. and why they don't want to have their Fannish identity linked to their actual published name. And I think Shauna has made some really interesting points around this as well, is that her readers are used to interacting with her as a published writer
1: mm-hmm.
2: and commenting on or reviewing published work that has been through an editing process and is designed for being sold. Whereas fanfiction is something that probably doesn't go through the same sort of multiple levels of editing and is written just for fun and for fun for other people. And she does not want her readers finding her fanfic and assuming that they have the same right to interact on the same expectation of Mm. what the writing will be. And I think that's incredibly valid. So I think everybody can make this decision for themselves and nobody has any expectation that a writer should be absolutely honest about their vanishing identity because everyone comes at it from a different point of view.
0: Yep. And I will note also that like things are constantly changing in professional writing, right? I know that Theresa Nielsen Hayden, who's uh, one of the more senior editors at Tor, frequently says that she's very impressed with the quality of fan fiction and she thinks fan fiction authors are doing amazing things and that's a pretty recent development right um so people who were making the crossover like five years ago certainly 10 years ago would have an entirely different set of pros and cons to those of us now um like i know that i kind of thought about it a little bit when we were starting this podcast like do we want to be quite so public and link everything together. And it was like, yeah, no, right now that seems pretty safe. I know that my agent and many agents will quietly message particularly good fanfic authors that they read and say, hey, I don't know if you happen to have manuscripts available. Um, It doesn't happen all the time, but it has been known to happen. And that's new and cool.
1: Yeah, I don't think that we would have been able to do this. Like, we might have been able to do this podcast five years ago. I don't think that we would have been able to do this podcast ten years ago. I think that the also culture because we would was, have been nineteen, we would have been nineteen. But like with a with like a time machine or something, just like the culture was so different then, and fan <laughs> right. fiction was still in like such a weird sort of in betweeny not really we're not really talking about it kind of zone completely um but things are changing so much and and fan fiction is getting so much more uh genuine love and attention and respect uh and that's you know kind of one of the things that we're uh trying to contribute to with this podcast Mm -hmm. is that continuing evolution towards making uh, seeing fan fiction as something like beautiful and legitimate and its own thing um yeah but you guys like have such good answers i don't think that i have anything else to add to that since that point so cool we
2: can right, read on next question so amy Arg, excellent name <laughs> asks are there any things tropes pet peeves etc that really make you want to
0: throw a book you're reading out the window so i read a book when i was preparing for a workshop and it had in the first 20,000 words, no women in it. I'm like, okay, well, let's see how this goes. Kept reading a little bit. Three women became introduced. They were all about 16 years old and exu- mm. and introduced primarily as sex objects.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm like, hey, bye. Bye.
1: Yeah. Bye. Um, the, I don't often throw books across the room, but I <laughs> do have a strong memory of one time that I did do that. Um, without naming the author or the book because I can't I'm slightly tipsy right now and I can't <laughs> um, it was a male author and I think the book was written in like the late 70s or 80s and it had this moment of actual legitimate hideous rapey sexism in it where this woman was on a spaceship uh, with a bunch of human co-workers and a bunch of sentient dolphin co-workers and one of the sentient dolphin co-workers is like legitimately sexually harassing her and her human co-workers actually literally tell her to like chill out it's nice that he's showing you attention and i was like fuck off entirely with this i'm not reading a single word more of this hell no nope nope nope
2: nope (laughs) Yeah, I think I have actually – oh, no, I was going to say I haven't thrown any books across the room. I sort of threw my Kindle into the opposite corner of the couch when I was reading a book a couple of years ago. That was more to do with pacing than anything else. I was mm. just very annoyed at the book on a technical level because I think <laughs> my reading choices are fairly curated these days. Right. And I when I'm reading things, it's usually because it's been recommended to me in such terms that I know there's going to be nothing in it that I absolutely hate. I have some very petty pet peeves. <laughs> Especially when it comes to fan fiction, actually, it is. T- uh, I really don't like the word "lover." And Interesting. I don't know why, but <laughs> it's just it grates. And because someone who reads a lot of queer romance, it's a very useful word. Yeah. And I'm, every time I see it, I'm like, ugh. Really? Do we have to? <laughs> and I, I think I've used it maybe once, grudgingly, in a yeah. story.
1: I sort Ugh. of squirm a little bit at the term making love. I yeah, I can't help.
2: No, no, gross. I don't no, know no. what it is, but also I don't like reading about kids and pregnancy, but that's yeah. just because I find it boring. But occasionally it will crop up in a fanfic where you're not expecting it, and unless it's by Astolat, in which case I'll <laughs> keep reading grudgingly, knowing that she knows what she's doing, I will usually be like, uh, no, no more of this, No, No, Bye. no, no. Mm, cool. It's fair.
1: Yeah. Uh, next question, uh, we have another question from Singily, uh, who sent in uh, a wonderful set of questions, uh, so we decided to do both of them. Uh, if you could rescue any character from their story, who would it be and what would you do? I'm going to answer this last because I'm going to yell a lot.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> do you
1: guys want to go first? Sure.
2: Well, I know exactly what Alex is going to yell about? So don't yeah. say that one. My answer is actually a little bit similar. So my person that I would rescue is Nikkeis from the Captive Prince. Oh yes, trilogy. And I have rescued Nikkeis multiple yes. times via fanfiction. Good, good. <laughs> Every time I write a Captive Prince AU, I'm like, here he is, he's alive, he's alive, he's <laughs> fine.
0: <laughs> don't fucking kill him. So that's my answer. I just this concept doesn't isn't how I work. Mm. Like, for me, it's not rescue this character, it's fix this book. Because it's also interwoven. Like, yeah. the whole story and the setting and no, you just gotta change the, like, how the novel went.
2: Well, but, see, like... I,
0: I like everything
2: about how Captain Prince went, and I understand why that character had to die. I just really want to rescue him from That's the fair. dying.
0: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just don't make that particular feeling connection. That's fair. He's such
2: a little bastard he's, he's a yep, terrible yep. little shit he's yeah a terrible terrible little shit it's a terrible and person. i want him to be a terrible little shit into adolescence and adulthood Thank yes you. yes yep. yes
1: uh so mine i think i have yelled about this on the podcast before you have. but i i indeed have uh the uh, Kushiel's Dart trilogy by Jacqueline Carey was extremely formative for me. I read it when I was like, I want to say like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Um <laughs> probably a little bit younger than I should have. Yeah. Um you know,
0: maybe Friends, sixteen. Warnings for these books—they're very, very good. But there's a lot of explicit sadomasochism sexy. in them. Yeah, there's we a talked lot of about them also. in our sexy episode. We did. We did. We did. That's maybe when you shouted about this. Anyway,
1: like I read them when I was like, I must have been older than, no, I must have been like 16. Okay, so like 16. So it's not as bad as like 14, 15. Uh Still, not a lot of people were like babysitting what I was reading at the time. Uh, (laughs) I got away with reading a lot of stuff. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so there's this one character in the books, if you haven't read them, uh, Alcuin, who is a weaponized submission twink, and he's exquisitely beautiful. And he has this exquisitely tender romance with another character in the book. And then they both die. And uh, I read this and was outraged. Outraged, (laughs) dear listeners. Outraged. And uh, apparently... Like, scarred right into my psyche about it. Uh, and I keep writing books where Alcuin is fine uh, because uh-huh. I keep I keep writing these books about these exquisitely beautiful twinks and their happy endings. Aha. Uh-huh. Quote unquote. Quote unquote, their happy endings. Both literal and figurative. Thank you. <laughs> A. All right, now for the
0: funnest one.
2: Yes, we were very happy Game about show. this question. This seems amazing. Yeah. So, Yue asks, serpents put your main original characters in a hat draw two what would happen if they met what genre would that story be can they be shipped who's the con artist and who's the space pirate (laughs) and i will have you know yue that i then immediately annotated this in the document with in all caps can there be an actual hat (laughs)
0: <laughs> to which Alex said yes I there said is an yes. actual hat
1: I said yes but as it turns out I lied because I don't own any hats so how have... do you not own any hats I don't own any hats you so... have your snood thing well I thought about my snood thing but it is kind of floppy and not great for drawing things out but That's I do bad. have this like bowl thing which is supposed to go on my light fixture Um <laughs> 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 okay, so we're putting our
2: characters in a light fixture. That's <laughs> putting the characters great. Listen, in the light
0: fixture. Alex has been drinking straight from the bottle. What do you expect? <laughs> it <Okay>. looks like a <laughs> light fixture it, versus snood. Here's Which what I'll be? say. <laughs> it could be a hat. Listeners, listeners, what we have done is provided all of our characters to Alex and there is a smorgasbord of serpentric cal- calendars, serpentric characters, and Alex is making rustling noises and looking kind of like a witch. <laughs> So, I'm going to. How many rounds of this shall we do? Let's Are we do just a
2: doing couple, one and see round? How we feel. Let's just Let's do, do a, couple. a couple and make sure that until we all have at least one character that we I'm going to say
1: we about. throw them back in if we have the same person's character for both. Sounds good. Yes, yep. I agree. Because it should be like one of
0: each. Yes, yes, yes. And okay. once we talk about them, they're out the bowl.
1: Yep. Go. So, first round is Luca from uh, Freya's Yay. book. Oh, Yay. sorry. I have to pick another one because we got a different Freya character. Hold on. Yep. So, Luca god damn it freya jesus christ
2: <laughs> <laughs> my characters just really want to play they just really want to play
1: okay here we go okay so luca from uh freya's uh manuscript to sword on two fingers and evamer from uh my manuscript oh, uh which is currently untitled but it's the fealty one about the the gay prince oh, there we go bad. so luca sword and boys. evamer Sword boys. So, sword sword boys. boys.
2: Yes, but yeah. also like most repressed person and least repressed person. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> God, Everma is going to hate Luca.
2: I'll oh, tell yeah. you that. Oh, absolutely. And Luca is going to make it his life's mission to try and get a rise out of Everma.
1: A. And So is going to probably... succeed within
2: like 30 seconds, by the way. Yes. Yeah, 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 yep. exactly. I think you probably could ship them, honestly. I think they could have an extremely funny narrative
1: i can luca like top him i mean like can luca dom him i mean dom not top because like evermore is super attracted to power so if luca can can beat him up in a fight then evermore would be down for it
2: okay luca might be able to beat him in a sword fight okay yeah
0: yeah yes evermore could be down i think they they would
2: work long term but they could have some fun and they would have a great adventure together
0: and
1: evermore would be like long suffering and like Mad the whole time, <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> absolutely. And Luca be like, "This is the greatest game in the world that I have this person here that I can just poke." Yeah, and Luca go would be having a react. whole.
1: Luca would be having a whole lot more fun than Evermore would. Yes. Okay, next round, uh, another Freya character, Robin, and Isabel, Yee-hoo! from uh, Macy's manuscript. Uh, Catalyst. Uh, she is like a cool mage person, and Robin is like a jock boy
2: yeah
0: isabel is is, isabel is a machiavellian overthinker princess yes yes
2: and robin is a gryffindor you could cut him in half and the word gryffindor would be written on his soul he thinks last and punches first he's very nice
0: though but he i want to say he it's not that he thinks entirely last it's that he has to be reminded to think but he's very good at it when he does it
2: That's true. He just, his urge is, number one, can I punch it? And number two, can I compare it to a piece of art?
0: And so Isabel is going to look at him and be like, you are a somewhat more stable and sensible version of my wife, I see. Yeah, (laughs) she
2: could run rings around him, to be honest. (laughs) If she Uh, decided uh, she wanted to wield him, he'd be like, this seems fine.
0: Yes, uh, she would be a very good handler. She would be a very good handler. Yeah, Isabel is very gay. Very gay. Yeah.
2: What kind of genre story would this be if we're doing like an A-U? Oh,
0: intrigue. Um, it would be London court, like Zencho Sorcerer to the Crown type shenanigans, and Isabel would wield Robin and his foresight with exquisite um backroom shenanigans. That's true. He would not notice like fifty percent of what was going on. It would be she would be delighted. Yeah, he what would great be great story. for her. That yeah, would be so much girl. fun.
2: Alright, let's find an Alex character. Okay. He's-
1: all right. I already have picked out while you guys were talking. I picked out the next round. It's Becca from uh, Macy's book oh. Hagstone and Chant from uh a oh of Truths. <laughs> oh my fucking God. Oh my God. Oh my God. This, <laughs> is, <laughs> this is bad. This is they real bad. This is real. You don't talk. understand.
0: <laughs> no, you don't. Un- it's not even that. It's that like Chant would crush Becca up
1: like a ball of paper. I mean, like Chant is not without feelings. Chant is actually kind of like a soft softy on the inside when it comes to like sad teenagers who hang around him right so like he would probably crush her he wouldn't mean to crush her
0: like she's. i feel like would he like treat her in a similar way to how he talks about ilfing yes i think that he would see that
1: she can take it a little bit less than ilfing can she wouldn't Mm -hmm. understand it in the same way and so he would sort of i think notice that and back off a little bit he'd still be kind of like curmudgeonly and like grouchy i don't think that she would like him very much
0: but i think that he would like her so becca is uh from my manuscript hagstone and she is a very sad um teenage gay who got thrown out by her parents yeah and she's like struggling she has drugs She'd she probably stressed. tell a story
2: that was, like, very pointed and was trying to help her. And she'd be like, well, that's pointless and not want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. I am mean, thinking
0: of, like, putting Chant in the cafe in Hagstone in mm. that role. Mm, yeah. in like, mm. a member of the community. Like, you could make it work. You could make it work. And it might actually, frankly, be better for Becca to have to rise to a challenge. Oh, or as him as the Chant, him as the Hag.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah like if he had like a sort of quest for becca i think mm. that would that would work out
0: yeah yeah
1: shall we do one more round
0: we've done 3 we've i feel like three. that's good to end on a nice like we've done each pairing okay yeah that's fair enough
1: cool cool that was fun that was great that was fun I we love that. have to play that again yes we shall play that again i'm going to play that at like cons yes i think that would be a really fun game to play at cons
0: uh next okay. next question yeah. So, like a book on Tumblr, and you and me both, friend, like so many books, um, asks, how do you stay on track with any creative endeavour in the face of exhaustion or other life forces and the possibility of endless distraction? And how do you know when to accept not being on track? For me, having a deadline really, really helps. (laughs) I'm basically useless without
1: a deadline. I can sort of get things done if I have, like, an internally set deadline um, But if I have an externally set deadline, that's where I really thrive, um, mm-hmm. where it matters to someone else that this thing gets done. So, for example, my editor saying, can you get this small task finished by next Monday? Mm-hmm. Or my agent saying, hey, can you get your next manuscript finished by uh, this date three months from now? Um, anything next like that. Next Monday. Yeah, next Monday. Uh, (laughs) Let's be honest, next (laughs) Monday. Inspired as Alex. I would get it finished by next Monday, no matter what he said. Uh, Or, for example, NaNoWriMo, where there's a lot of other people uh, also having the same deadline as me. Um, So really like external forces, because otherwise, like if it's just something that I set for myself, a lot of times I will give in to the temptation to
2: adjust it or negotiate or any of those kinds of things. Yeah. How would you fare? I know that I work really well with external deadlines, and this is why the world needs to publish me because, <laughs> <if I had laughs> yeah, an external editor telling me get this draft in by X date. I think I'd probably be quite good at that. Right, but I can set myself deadlines, and if I try and make myself accountable to other people, mm-hmm. even if they're not sort of professional deadlines, then it does help. <laughs> but yeah, look, I get distracted. Everybody gets distracted. Sometimes I have to adjust my goals. Like I know that I can write NaNoWriMo amounts of words every day as well as, you know, doing my jobs right. and fitting in the rest of life. But I find it a lot easier to aim a bit lower. And more recently, I've been aiming for a 500 word per day mm-hmm. minimum word count, which is working really well for me because I'm basically consistently getting between 500 words and a thousand every day so I feel like I'm on a streak that I want to keep going at but also I can get 500 words on in a single half hour sprint if I really pay attention so it doesn't actually take that much time out of my day to do it it's just a matter of sitting down and making myself do (laughs) it in terms of how do you accept when you're not on track I can't answer this for you we are all terrible about yelling at ourselves and blaming ourselves Mm -hmm, and we should do this and we should do that the only thing I can say is have a support group Get some people around you who are at a similar stage of your creative endeavor, whatever that is. Because you are always a lot better at reminding other people to be kind to themselves than you are at being kind to yourself. And so you just have to find your people. They will keep you on track and they will remind you to forgive yourself when you are not on track.
0: Yep, And I, I can talk to this a little bit as well. Like... For me, staying on track is all about spreadsheets. Fucking love me a spreadsheet. Mm. Like I have an obscenely complicated uh, color changing spreadsheet. But also I'm incapable of going much above my target. So I have to set my targets a little bit high because I won't go more than 200 words above them. Um, But when it comes to like noticing my limits and not setting goals too high, I'm very type A. If I set myself a target, I will hit it. To the point of not sleeping or giving myself permanent chronic RSI. Uh, Welcome to uh, Why My Wrist Is Broken. So what I've had to do is learn by rote a set of signs that mean I'm pushing too hard. Mm. Right? Like, um, are my arms in pain when I go to bed and still in pain when I wake up? You're writing too much. Stop it. Um, Or, like, does it take me three hours to get a thousand words probably you're burned out maybe slow down a little bit and because I'm setting up those boundaries for myself in advance of having to take action on them it doesn't feel like I am choosing to give up right it's like this is just the rules the rules say that when these things feel this way you reduce your goal so when Alex came to visit I was pushing really hard to make NaNoWriMo word counts. And I was in a bit of the book that was pretty complicated. Uh, And I'm like, this is like taking me forever. It's going really slowly. It's not feeling good. So I downgraded my goals. And you seemed a lot happier after you downgraded your goal too. Right.
1: Like you seemed a whole lot less stressed just like from seeing you in front of my face. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So an anonymous person on Tumblr asks... Uh, could you tell us about the first crush that you had on a literary character, please?
2: <laughs> oh, I think mine I was honestly Robin Hood. I was all oh, But, oh, but Freya, but Freya, was it the Fox version? No, actually. It was the version from Antonia Fraser's book, Robin Hood, <laughs> which is just one of many, you know, retellings. Uh, and then I ran on to Roger Lancelin Green's retelling of Robin Hood. I went through a stage about the age of eight where I was just utterly obsessed with Robin Hood retellings and Robin Hood stories. And it was 50% crush on Robin Hood and 50% want to be
0: Robin that's, Hood. That's mm-hmm. a mood. Sure, sure. That's a, mood. And, that's a mood. But
2: that was like the the, per, the first predominant one. But then I was trying to think of the first character that I can remember really being like, oh my goodness, you know, you have that little flutter of this character is so cool and amazing. And I think, I had to go back and look up what this character was called because all I could remember was that it was the prince from Raymond E. Feist's Rift War cycle, ah. the two sequels, Silverthorn and Darkness yeah, of Sethon, yeah, yeah. to the initial book, which is called Magician. And his name is Arutha, Prince of Kondor. Mm. And I <laughs> very could ins. not tell you what he looked like. I think it was like dark and emo-ish. Like, he was one of those like <laughs> tragic... Dep- tragic depressed prince's very noble something i don't know but he made a very significant impression on me as a wee fantasy reader amazing amazing and
0: i know for me like i don't really get crushes that's not how my like romanticness works but all of the kids in school were like who's your crush who's your crush i like gareth gates um and so i like gave in and wait hold on
1: was gareth gates the oboe player
0: no gareth gates is a pop singer oh okay like the early fucking don't know oh god we're not getting into the oboe player the listeners do not deserve (laughs) that they really do not deserve they really don't deserve to hear about the
1: oboe player they're gonna have to be a lot more good and well-behaved if they want to hear about the oboe player i promise
0: you this if we reach i will find i will find a target goal for our patreon and if we pass it Alex and I will record a 20-minute episode that is just Alex quizzing me about the oboe player. (laughs) Deal. 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 We'll figure out what the uh, correct target should be for that. So there's your incentive to click on the Patreon link. Patreon. Support us on Patreon. Sponsoring oboists. No, it was Captain Jack Sparrow was the one I'm like, oh, that's a cool dude. I feel like I could swashbuckle like that. Let's be that dude. Like, that's how one does a crush, right?
1: Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally, for sure. I just want a boat. And he was like, ah, oh, but you have heard of me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so my first literary crush was when I was like three years old and it was Aladdin uh, from That's Disney's Ella. Aladdin. Yes. And I had not watched Aladdin in probably like 20 years. Uh, and back in like 2014 or something I rewatched like some songs from it and I had again that same flutter of like oh my god what a great character I love this character a lot and I'm like oh this is when I started imprinting on
2: like thieves <laughs> and con artists great that's a good thing to know about yourself <laughs> all right this is our last question done dun, dun. we did it So Keith on Twitter asks gonna drink do you have any ideas for in capitals? Roland's three with a capital T. <laughs> what would you heist? So if we were to be Ocean's eight, but actually Roland's three. Yes. And also Keith linked us to a picture of Kate Blanchett in the green velvet suit, which was very inspiring. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Question. Question. Serpents. Yes. Can we heist Kate Blanchett? Sure. Yes. yes that's great. <laughs>
1: Can I also just take a moment to mention how flattered I am at Keith for naming it Rollins3? Thank you so much, Keith. Thank you. <laughs> Keith,
2: get some extra brownie points. I will be sending <laughs> you your bribe through the mail. Thank you, Keith. Well, you, that means that you have to be the one who comes and recruits us. That's kind of what happened, though. Because yeah, like I was it? the one
1: who went like, I really want to start a podcast, you guys. let's.
0: You guys, you guys, you guys, let's start a podcast, though. Uh-huh. Okay, what would we heist? So what would we heist? Besides we, Kate We Woodrow? would heist a castle, obviously. We could That's heist true. a castle.
2: We yeah. can heist the castle.
0: Because if we heisted a castle, we could get one fuck
2: of a castle. Here's what I'm... All right, I volunteer Macy as pretending to be the long-lost descendant <gasps> of the royal Scottish line that owned the castle in the first place. We're no, doing no, 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 no. real good. estate uh, fraud here.
0: No. That's very good. No, I promise, very good. I promise, I promise, I promise. What you want is Freya. With Freya's accent, because you don't want the American, because everyone's against Americans. Yeah, but what no you want American. is the Australian, because you do not go to Ireland and put up someone with a British accent as a landowner.
1: Mm, yes. No. So and Freya, Freya you are long of lost, a better, of like like the face criminal sport. scion of right, a criminal. <laughs> right. Yes. Freya, absolutely. Freya has a better sort of like sort of chill, aloof,
0: marble queen demeanor yes. to her. Anyway, I can. Yes, I can be your your seneschal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Yeah, hey mate, this is my seneschal
2: <laughs> Can we pay oh you to do an episode in that accent? Her name is Jenny. <laughs> we finally got Freya to do a funny voice.
0: I didn't know you could do that voice.
2: Every <laughs> Australian can do that voice. We just mostly choose not to. I'm so proud of you. No, okay, okay. So, listeners, this is how you realize that the Australian accent is actually quite a varied thing.
0: Oh, believe I mean, Oh, believe me, yes. Freya
2: in the ochre side of the <laughs> spectrum.
0: Do, do we want to continue this episode in our more exaggerated accents? Because I'm always down for that. No, that was nothing. <laughs> all right,
2: all right, fine. Okay, if, we, if we're if we not... high, So yes, okay, we've decided we're stealing a castle yes! as the uh, Bogan Australian landowner and her British seneschal. With a Ruritanian, like, fake. Or is that the wrong yes. one? No, no, Ruritania is where there's an invented European country and you are the doppelganger of its monarch.
0: Oh, it's not. We don't want yeah. doppelganger. We, what We want it's no. grandmother, it's me, Anastasia. Anastasia. <laughs> yes, we want that one. Yeah. <laughs> What's
2: that called? The so, Anastasia? Yep. Yeah, so I think Macy's in charge of logistics. And mm. Alex, what are you doing during this castle heist if I am the front person?
1: um, I'm pretty good at research. I am pretty good at... You can forge at... things. I can you forge can things. You can forge historical documents that prove that Freya is the heir. Sure, I feel pretty confident in my ability to forge circles up.
2: I can have a little earpiece and you can be telling me the answers to all the questions. Alex- we can do yeah. I Can Learn to Do It from Anastasia. Except yeah. you know.
0: Wait, does that end with you two in love? Totally, for sure. One hundred percent.
2: I mean this is a very grand heist movie. I'm sure two of the thieves can end up in love. That's fine. It's fine. Sure. There will
0: have to be a chase scene involving
2: sheep.
1: Okay. <laughs> Remember cool. at Are the beginning of this sheep? episode where I was like, let's set healthy boundaries. Let's not encourage them to write RPF. Remember when I said that? Do you remember when write I fucking... We RPF
0: about ourselves.
1: That's true. We can. That's fair. That's just RPGs. <laughs>
0: That's literally an RPG, Alex.
1: Alex. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Of course, you're right. Of course, I'm, you're always right. Of course, right, I'm right.
0: Of course, yeah. I'm right.
1: Um, is that the end of the episode? I think so. I think we'll so, leave yes. you with that,
2: with the image of us all having a chase scene with sheep.
1: Thank you for joining us, uh, dear listeners. Uh, Once again, if you have a couple spare dollars uh, that you would like to use to help support the scribes, uh, check out our Patreon. And yeah, bye. Bye. Have a drink on
0: us. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. We got so many great questions this time. Seriously, thank you so much for sending them in. If your question wasn't part of today's episode, keep your ears peeled anyway. We might have some Patreon-related ideas for what to do with our bounty of inquisitive listeners. Which, can I just say, I'm so excited to finally open this up for you all particularly Alex's contribution. Uh, you'll have to go take a look to find out what I'm talking about. But we have some even more exciting topics to talk about in upcoming episodes. On the next episode, two weeks hence, on March 27th, we'll be discussing cities. Can they be characters too? If you want to prepare in advance, one of the tentpoles for that episode is The City Born Great by N.K. Jemison, which you can find online at Tor.com. So if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions? Comments? Breathless adulations? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at SerpentCast on Twitter and Tumblr, or join in the conversation on our fan Discord chat, linked on the About the Show page of our website. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to review us on iTunes. And by the way, I can't wait to hear about your favourite sea creatures. I bet they're fishtastic.